We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Hey, well, welcome back, Crossroads, and excited to have you here with us today. If you missed out earlier, my name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to tune in and turn up to be a part of our worship service here at Crossroads. Hey, listen, those chat hosts are available for you right now, so if you need anything, they are going to be available, and they want to make sure that they can connect with you, because we are in a series that is called Winning, Finding Wins in a World of Loss. Because every day, it just seems like we are losing a little bit more. And man, it can be hard. But what we said is that there are wins. There are wins that are out there. And they are actually God-sized wins too. We just need to find them. And we need to understand what winning looks like through God's eyes. So to do that, we've actually been using Paul's words in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, to actually identify what a real win looks like. You'll find it in, in chapter 4, looking at verse 12. It says... I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So, so Paul says, listen, wins are not found in the needy or the plenty, but in the contenty, right? In the content. And not just in this passive, you know, I give up on life, man, I'm just content. But, but in the way that says, all right, God, Wherever you place me, whatever you give me, I'm going to enjoy and I'm going to be satisfied with that, even, even if it's hard. So, so that is the foundation for how we are to find wins in life. So we've done this in some different areas of our life. And so week one, we looked at winning in marriage. And we said that we win in marriage when contentment is allowed to flourish, when we learn how to be safe with our spouse. Pastor Jimmy Roulette did a great job, kicked off the series by saying when we win in marriage, it's when we have a safe marriage. And a safe marriage is a marriage that all of us want to strive to have. Then in week two, we looked at how we find wins as a parent. And and we ultimately came down to this realization that we win as parents when we raise our kids to love God and love people. If we could keep things this simple and make this our goal, then man, we will see wins start stacking up over and over and over for us as parents. And then man, last weekend, my good friend, Pastor Tim Sutherland, he came in, he slayed it when he talked about how do we find wins as a single? Because honestly, the group that has been affected probably the most during this pandemic is our singles. It's been super hard on y'all. So I loved when Tim actually said, he said that contentment equals pursuing wholeness wholeness man great stuff because contentment in Christ frees us up to be exactly who he made us to be it's it's not whether we're married or we're single but that we are complete we are whole in God well guys that is what the first three weeks that we've done so if you've missed any of those weeks don't worry we have our website crossroadsgrace.org is available for you to get those or you can download the brand new or really the free app that we have for Crossroads you'll find all that information right there because this week man I am super pumped to be able to finish this series as we look at finding wins as a student 
And guys, to do that, super stoked, man. Cannot wait to team teach this lesson with our very own Next Gen Director, Heather Mahoney. Heather, what's up? Uh, hi. Man, so glad you're here. Oh, it's so cool. Guys, I think it's so important that you get to hear from Heather because her leadership, her experience, second to none. Man, you'd kill it with our students. It's unreal. So I just want you to know how blessed I am to be here with her and honored that you're, we're going to be able to share the stage today and be able to team teach today. So Heather, do this for us. Kick us off. Tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll go from there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, so my whole life I've gone to church. I actually had the pleasure of growing up in a tiny church in San Leandro with a wonderful group of people. We dressed in our Sunday best for Sunday school and church every Sunday morning and we would sit in our pew. Now, if you don't know what a pew is, it's like this long wooden bench that you sit on and it, your butt would fall asleep, but your parents wouldn't let you move because every time you tried to move, you would just like make fart noises. So yeah, that's a pew. But we would sing hymns to the nice beat of the pipe organ. So in 1991, my family actually moved from the Bay Area to Manteca and I've been attending Crossroads since the sixth grade. Only 150 people attended here, and Jim Todd, who's now our pastor of outreach, was actually my youth pastor growing up. And because of fantastic leaders like Jim and our tag team leaders, many who are still at Crossroads today, I was poured into and I was cared for in a very real and a very tangible way during all of my teenage years. As an eighth grader on our Mexico mission trip, I stood up in the dirt and I declared, I'm gonna go into ministry as my career. So I think it's only fair that you see a photo. So this really is just what my family looked like. Now, if you remember photo church directories, this was from it, from Crossroads. My mother, who's the short one, who looks like a floating head, they made her sit on a stool for the photo. And my dad's 6'5". I don't know what's happening, but I do know there's a mullet right there. But this is me, like 14, 15. I have a younger brother, an older brother. I'm just really blessed because we're all here at Crossroads. So that's my family from back then. But throughout high school and throughout college, I was discipled, which means I was poured into and invested in by older, more mature Christian women. And then I, in turn, discipled others. I've been in junior high ministry for 20 years now, and a lot of crazy comments have been made to me about that. But I know this, that the Lord has called me, and he has equipped me, and he continues to give me great joy in getting to work alongside our amazing students to lead them to discover Jesus and to follow him fully. So after I graduated college, I came back to Crossroads. I took on the job as our first ever junior high director. I got married to my pretty amazing husband, Sean, and I've been working here ever since. And what a blessing to get to continue to serve our next generation and to be a part of a church who loves their congregation and the community so well. Seriously, I love my job and I'm just so excited to be with you guys here today. Now, if there's a group of people most affected by this pandemic and this chaotic world, it has got to be our kids and students. Proms, sports seasons, award ceremonies, first day of school, last day of school, homecoming, band concerts, choir concerts, theater performances, even recess, you name it, it's been taken away. We had to cancel our junior high missions trip to City Impact in San Francisco. We had to cancel our high school missions trip to Mexico where we work alongside Pastor Carlos and Marta Bravo. We even had to cancel Hume Lake. That was heartbreaking for me. 
it seems like the losses are just piling on top one of another and students, they're defeated. I've heard parents say that their kids are just so numb to the losses now that they're almost expecting it. It's just one more loss. There's a gap in their experiences and it cannot be filled by Zoom calls and drive-by birthday parties. And as great as those things are, there's lapses in memories of events that should have been. However, what if instead of telling our kids to get over it, or as I like to say to my kids, suck it up buttercup, maybe we need to take a page out of the movie Inside Out and realize that just because something is sad doesn't mean that it can't bring about something good. A recent national study actually showed us that nearly two-thirds of the 1,500 teenagers surveyed believe the anxiety associated with this pandemic will have lasting impact on their lives. And the World Health Organization, it listed suicide as the third leading cause of death among teens from ages 15 to 19. That is a lot for parents to unpack right now. Young people just experienced a very different and a difficult summer, having been denied the traditional, the social, the sports, the gatherings, the graduation ceremonies that they were all expecting. And the pressure of dealing with it affects seven out of 10 teens, according to a National Harris survey that was commissioned by the National 4-H Council. And 45% of the surveyed students described their stress level as excessive. And 60 7% of people believed it was best to keep their feelings about it hidden. Here's the deal. We don't have to hear the facts, accept the facts, and then just sit in the pain and hurt of what this year has looked like for forever. At the beginning of COVID, I actually had to start taking notes of some wins because if I wasn't intentional to think about it, it wouldn't happen. And I might not have noticed any wins in my life, big or small. Well, I painted the baseboards in our house. Talk about extra time on my hands. Thank you, shelter in place and 14 days to flatten the curb. I sanded and painted our bathroom cupboards. We ate a ton of meals together as a family. I was sheltered in place with my husband and my kids and I actually like them. I had flowers delivered to my porch twice by friends. I had toilet paper delivered to my porch twice by friends. Now that is real friendship. I had so many people say, how can I help you? I got to drop off candy and nice notes to a ton of junior high students. I got to put congratulations on graduating eighth grade signs in a ton of our eighth grade graduates yards. And as a student ministry, we actually got to play this thing called a mega kahoot with 200 students from New Zealand. There are wins out there and there are blessings out there. God is still at work but we have to be intentional to look for them. Yeah, and, and listen, as a dad of an 8 and 11-year-old, like I get it, like you see it all the time, but in all the effort that you put into uh, to connecting our students at that time, which is so awesome, you know, so cool. I get to hang out on some Zoom calls and see some crazy stuff happening. It was super great. But man, listen, again, as a daddy of an 8 and 11-year-old, I've seen firsthand the wind get knocked out of their sails over and over. But you're totally right, Heather. You're totally right. God is still working. He's still in control. And there's some pretty profound wins for our students that are out there, at, but they're going to come in an interesting form. So I think it's critical that we allow our students to see that, that even in this time of crazy and chaos, it's actually creating a win in them. It's, it's creating in them something that is so valuable that it will become invaluable as their life progresses. 
And, and it's something that all of us, all of us in this world need them to have so that we could keep moving forward. And it's found in the book of James. So if you have your Bibles or your Crossroads Grace apps, why don't you just turn with me to the book of James. James chapter 1 is where we're going to be at. Chat host is a great time to put that link in the chat right now if you would do that. Now, if, if, you're, if you aren't familiar with the Bible or God, you're probably wondering, like, wh- why would I care about a guy named Jim? Like, what's the big deal? Uh, but, but I'll tell you, man, James is a really cool book. It, it's a book that was written, check this out, by the brother of Jesus. Right. And his name is James. Okay. So, so students out there, like, can you think about it? Imagine for a second, being the brother of Jesus. Like, what kind of pressure would that had to have been? Like, after all, your brother is God who lived his life perfectly. So, so can you imagine what your parents might say? Like, like, you know, hey, why can't you be more like your brother Jesus, James? You know, your brother Jesus never talks back. You know, I bet Jesus can remember to get his homework done, right? You're probably like, oh, I can't stand this guy. But, but James ended up loving Jesus, not as, his bro- not as his brother, not only as his brother, but but as a savior, yeah, he actually called him Lord. And, and his life was not easy because of that decision. It was filled with hardship and, and a lot of pain for the sake of knowing his brother Jesus as Lord and Savior. So, so much so that James was actually killed for his faith because he believed in Jesus. Now, I'll save you all the details, but I will tell you this much, that it involved uh, the top of a building, some rocks, and a club in order to wipe him out. Yikes, I know. But, but this is why I respect James so much. His words carry just a little bit more weight with me because he's been through some stuff. Guys, you could appreciate that, can't you? I mean, he got messy for his faith. So, so this is why when, when James says in chapter one, it, it should mean a little bit more to us. Because here is where James, James describes what, what wins look like for all of us. But specific today, let's look at it in the eyes of a student. Uh, James chapter 1, let's look in verses 2 through 4. We'll read it a few times so you'll get used to it, but let's, let's read it together. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, so right there, this is where James lays out the win that our students need to see more than ever before. And it's this word right here. It's this little word called perseverance. Perseverance. Now, back in the 1800s, there was a pastor by the name of Henry Ward Beecher. Uh, guys, I know you already know who this is and you've memorized it and fine. But, but maybe you can remember this quote. He, he once said this. Henry Ward Beecher once said, he said, the difference between perseverance and obstinacy is that one comes from a strong will and the other from a strong won't. I love that. See, perseverance is stubborn enough not to give up and gritty enough not to let something beat them. This is what we need in our world today. We need young men and women with grit and perseverance. And, and, and through that type of perseverance James just talked about here, this is where our students will actually get a win. But what is perseverance? 
Big fancy word, might get a lot of points at Scrabble, but what is perseverance? Well, let me explain it to you this way. My, my family and I recently, we went up to Yosemite uh, National Park and, and we had a couple of days, so we decided we were going to do some hiking and unfortunately we had to cut it short because of the, the tragic fires that are happening up there. We actually had to be evacuated from our hotel, but before that happened, we actually got to climb up to Vernal Falls in Yosemite National Park. I mean, here's a picture of us in, in, in Vernal Falls, like just crazy. Now, I took this picture and when I looked at it later, I realized I cut out all the falls. So basically the falls are like, like right here. Aren't they beautiful? Like amazing. Just blah, right there, right over there. Um, but here's the deal. That was a long hike. And, and my son is, is eight. My daughter is 11. And it took a whole lot of time to be able to get up there. It's like a seven mile round trip up and down. And, oh, it's just crazy. And so as we were coming down the mountain, I'll just be honest, there was a lot of whining a lot of complaining about our toes and our feet and our legs were tired and I was sick of it. And so when we were coming down, I swear to you, by the time we had come down this massive mountain, we we're kind of getting all of a sudden on the way up, there's some, there some groups coming up the mountain. And one of the people coming up the mountain to go to Vernal Falls, this massive long hike, was a nine month pregnant lady. That's right. She was trucking it on up. So I looked at Easton and Anderson. I said, if you all even say one more thing. I'm going to point to that pregnant lady because she's hoofing it up there and you just need to be quiet. You have no idea what she's going through, right? Perseverance. But here in James 1, we see how James explains what perseverance is and what a, a win for our students can take away from this time and challenge. Why it's such a win. And so for the rest of our time, here's what Heather and I are going to do. We are going to look at the three wins of perseverance. The three wins of perseverance. And I'll tell you them up front. They are maturity, completeness, and lacking nothing. Those are the three COVID-proof wins that you students, that you parents can have, that will last you a lifetime. Thank you, Brian. Okay, we're going to dive right in. So let's hop back into James chapter 1, verse 4. And it says, Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the let, this let right here, let. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That implies submission to God in the trial. So submitting to God doesn't necessarily mean passively enduring whatever's going on without praying for relief. No. Being submissive to God also doesn't mean necessarily that we don't take some steps on our own to remedy the problem. For instance, if the trial is an illness, then it's right not only for you to pray, but also to seek medical help for your illness. If it's a difficult circumstance, it's not necessarily wrong to try to change the circumstance if you can. If you're a student and the trial is distance learning, then it's not right just for you to only pray. You want to seek help to better understand your online work. Submission is an attitude towards God. Now, we can have a positive attitude when we look at things with optimism. And when we look at them optimistically with the submission to God, we have a desire to grow. Or we can have a negative attitude when we look at things with pessimism and negativity. And when we see submission to God negatively, we just push against it and we refuse to grow. You know, kind of like when I was a kid. And I'd hurt my brother and I didn't even care that I had hurt my brother. And my mom would say to me, apologize and say sorry. So I'd be like, 
sorry, and I'm sure it's hard to imagine, but just insert like the world's largest eye roll because I had a severe problem with that as a teenager. And my mom would look at me and she would say, Heather, say it again. So I would say, sorry, but still I had that sassy attitude and it wasn't all the way gone. And then my mom would look at me and she would be like, Heather Marie Lee, you say it like you mean it. And finally with this like tiniest shred of sincerity so I wouldn't be in even more trouble, I would say, sorry, Seth. You see, I didn't have the heart behind it and my mom knew it. She knew my attitude was junky. She wanted to see and hear a bit of remorse from me. She wanted me to submit. And we can be like that with God. We can sometimes shake our fist in his face and tell him that he has no right to do this to us. Or we might say, okay, fine. I'll do it your way, but I am not going to like it. You guys, that is not an attitude of submission. When we want to have a positive attitude of submission, we want to trust God that we know that he knows what he's doing. There's this old saying, attitude is a choice. So choose a good one. A great example of submission is actually found in the book of Job. So the book of Job is found in the Old Testament and it was written by a man named, you guessed it, Job. So Job ends up being this great example of faithfulness as he loses every single thing important to him, all the while remaining faithful to God. Talk about a trial. Ugh. So in Job we see that God is sovereign, which means all things are under his control and that God is faithful during a time of great suffering. The Bible says, after God afflicted Job in verse one, or chapter one, verse 21, it says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Wow. I don't think that's something I could say after a trial where I lost everything I loved. We need to submit to the refining process and trials so that we can let perseverance finish its work. Another version of the Bible actually says so we can let endurance have its perfect result. Because you guys, maturity is a process. It's not an instant perfection. To be mature means to be fully developed. So physically we mature, socially we mature, hopefully, spiritually we mature. As we grow, hopefully we are continuing to develop and we're not just satisfied with the lack of maturity. James says that we are to let perseverance finish its work so that we may become mature or let endurance have its perfect result. This is not a quick fix. The word perfect doesn't imply that you would reach a point in this life where you've arrived and you just need no further growth. I find myself failing in lessons that I thought I had already learned. So I have to take the course over and over again. We don't graduate until we go to heaven. Submitting to the process will result in spiritual maturity. God's goal in the trial is that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. That doesn't mean we can arrive at a state of sinless perfection or this perfect maturity in this life. Rather, the idea is that you will be spiritually mature and well-equipped for the purpose that God created you for. James says the door to someone being mature in Christ, it's marked by trials. Students, what do you want to be in the future? I'm, I'm really hoping that you're saying mature and complete. Who wants to be a kid forever? 
I know you guys have all seen those famous actors and artists and influencers. They have insane salaries. They travel all around the world. They're surrounded by adoring fans, and yet they behave like your little brother and sister when things go wrong. What kind of future is that? What do you want in your future? That I may be mature and complete. The door marked to that, it's marked trials. And the road that we find that door on, it's perseverance road. So keep persevering and keep pushing. Don't give up and you become mature and complete. You have to finish each stretch of the road to reach maturity. So finish the work and grow in maturity. It's like if you plant an apple tree, it takes months and months to even see the first small fruit appear. And it takes way longer until your tree matures to the point of producing enough fruit to be picked, to be enjoyed, to be shared, to be packed. There is a maturing process that has to take place in order for your fruit tree to grow to the fullest. In our lives, there is a continual maturing process that has to take place in order for us to enjoy our life to the fullest. You know, it's funny, like when you were saying that, I was thinking like, like I don't think any of our, our goals for our kids is to marry an immature person. You know what I mean? Uh, like, never. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, <laughs> hey, I really hope that you marry that guy that's still, you know. Lacking. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think maturity is like so critical. Man, yes, such good thank stuff. You. So, so maturity is, is the first one. But the, the second win that James talks about that we gain through perseverance is this, this word called completeness. Again, back to, to verse 4, it, it says this. Um, it says, it lets perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and... So we have mature and complete. Mature and complete. So, so to complete something is actually kind of rare in our world. Because to complete something, it means that you went the distance, you followed through, you kept the faith, you endured the setback, you didn't give up. And on the list that drives my wife crazy... Um, this may be the one that is on the top of her pet peeves, next to snoring, maybe. Especially, man, about me specifically. When See, my wife likes when things are complete. And so I, hi, my name is Brian. I'm a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And I struggle with getting projects all the way done to completion. I'm a visionary, guys. But sometimes near the end, I kind of sputter out a little bit. So if anyone is interested in helping me knock out a few uncompleted projects at my house, always looking for a few friends that want to help me out of mediocrity, maybe get me out of that doghouse in the backyard. But what James says here is, is that one of the results of perseverance is that you understand completion. Only time in the entire Bible where this little Greek word is used and it's reserved for the description of what happens when we finish the work of perseverance, when we don't stop. Students, Parents, listen, there have been all kinds of moments during this COVID craziness that we could have easily stopped. And you know what? If we did, every single person would have understood. Your grades slipped because of distance learning. Everyone would understand. You could have given up on sports because, man, it's just kind of the seasons are all jacked up. Everyone would have totally got it. You could have even stopped making an effort to connect with your friends because, yeah, it just became too hard. But listen... Just because you could have done these things, it doesn't mean that you had to do these things. No, when you start something, you finish it. And so even though I make fun of myself about not completing projects around the house, that is, that is not how Mama Hunt raised me. Mama Hunt, okay? See, see, one of the examples that kind of stood out to me that just kind of proved this is a story I love to remember when I was on the swim team. 
Um, and I used to swim. I was a good swimmer. I was a competitive swimmer. Any, if you are a, a parent of a swimmer out there, you know that it is probably one of the worst sports to watch as a parent though. You drive forever, you sit there and watch like 17 nanoseconds of your kid and then you drive back. Like that's about it. You spend hours there. Now I, I remember we were at the Ellsworth Air Force Base in Rapid City, South Dakota and we were at this pool and it had these big huge bleachers. There's a big meet, lots of people there and, uh, and the idea is if you've never been to a swim meet is that you, you get in line to go to your event and you kind of shuffle down until your heat of kids goes. You get up on the blocks, they blow the whistle, you jump in, you complete your race and you always know what your races are because you ride them on your arm, kind of weird like. So you always know. Well, it came time for a race that was called the 500 Freestyle. Now, normally I'm a sprinter. I do things in short bursts and I'm done. That's why I love baseball. You run 90 feet, you take a break, you run 90 feet again. If you hit it far enough, you can take, a, take your time going around the bases. So I was a sprinter. Somehow I got, I got in this middle distance race and it got toward about the end of the meet and, uh, and it was my turn to do it. My mom was looking down at all the heats of the kids that were out there getting ready to swim and she couldn't find me. And all of a sudden she feels this thing next to her and she looks over and sure enough there I am sitting right next to her she, she looks at me and she goes what are you doing I said ah just kind of decided I uh not gonna do it kind of tired and everything and uh she knew I had about I was like the next heat up she goes oh no 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 this ain't happening so she grabs me by my ear no joke grabs me by my ear, she drags me down this massive bleachers all the way down to the pool. She puts me up on the block by my ear. She points to the water and she says, you're swimming. And she walks away, they hit the gun and I went and swam, I cried the whole time. But I finished that race because Mama Hunt told us that if you start something, you finish it. The bottom line is, is that if we complete things, even when it is hard, it makes a big difference in our life. We are winning as we strive to complete whatever this life may throw at us. So listen to me, students. When you think you're done, keep going. When you think that you've got nothing left, parents, you dig deeper. When you feel like all hope is gone, you don't give up. No, 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 you complete it. Let perseverance, as it says, finish and see to it that you complete what you have started. Heather, would you wrap this last point up? Yes. Also, I just want to let you know that I'm going to be sending Sean to your house to help you with oh. all the rest of the projects. So I'll be looking forward to that. That'd be uh, great. Just kidding. We got to finish them at our house first. Okay. okay. So here's the deal. I think that if we did a poll of 100 different people, groups, organizations, churches, and businesses, I bet we get like 150 different answers on what it means to be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. If we check out commercials, if we look into those who produce consumer goods, they seem to imply that we are lacking. We're lacking in designer clothes. We're lacking in the best car. We definitely don't have enough social media followers. We certainly don't know the right people, and we don't belong to the popular political crowd, and the list goes on and on. In fact, the list goes on so long that it's unattainable. We'll never reach a point where the world says, enough. I finally have enough. You can't be rich enough, and beautiful enough, and thin enough, and fast enough. You can't have enough stuff that you finally reach the point where you realize the commercials and the social media, they're not even talking to you anymore because you don't need this, because you're perfect and you're lacking nothing. Unfortunately, 
You'll never be perfect and complete and lacking nothing for more than a few days, a few minutes. If you allow people and things other than God to dictate what that means. So what does God say will make you perfect and lacking nothing? Let's look again at what the Bible says. The answer is, drumroll please, suffering. Yeah, no thank you. Suffering makes you perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let's read James 1.4 again. It says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. So when our faith is tested and we pass, it builds our faith and our trust in God. And the more we trust in God, the more we believe in his promises. And the more we believe in his promises, the more real heaven and our eternal rewards become to us. And the more we understand and are convinced about the reality and the inevitability of living with God in heaven, the more we are satisfied and the more we become satisfied with our life. As we grow and we realize that God is our true reality and that heaven, our true destination, and that great and eternal rewards, they await us in the blink of an eye. And the more we know that we don't truly need anything this world has to offer, and it's not really worth much time pursuing. Finally, getting that long-awaited scholarship is amazing. Finally, having a boyfriend so you are not the third wheel, it's wonderful. Finally, having a core group of friends is so great. But scholarships and boyfriends and friends, well, they won't satisfy us forever. They don't satisfy us completely. It doesn't satisfy us in our souls. Those are wonderful blessings in our life, but they're not meant to fulfill us. And they're not meant to define us. When the reality of eternity settles in on that, we see that suffering produces faith which produces patience, which produces perseverance. Suffering, faith, patience, perseverance. It is then that we get to a place of spiritual maturity because we lack nothing. Knowing that materialism is fleeting and God provides us with all we need, both in this life and in the next. So the next time you find yourself searching for a happy, fulfilled, a contented life where you lack nothing. You don't need to turn to the world for answers. You want to be happy and fulfilled, spiritually mature and lacking nothing in your life? Turn to God's word for the real answers. God can and will give us what we need to be lacking nothing. It will be real and it will be lasting. And it's not what the world says will make you happy. So you have to be willing to trust that God knows what he's talking about. James reiterates the win of perseverance when we look at James 1.12. It said, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. James has instructed Christians to account for hardships, for trials, hardships is joy. He tells us these moments, they grow our faith. So even if we're heartbroken over what has happened, we can trust God that he will use it to make us stronger. 
Why would God want us to label these terrible moments as joyful? Because trials test our faith. And when we keep trusting God through trials, our faith in him grows. And from God's perspective, our growing faith in him is far more important than not experiencing hard things. James uses the reality of perseverance to describe the ability to trust God more. Just as a runner gains endurance by suffering through one more mile, Christians gain the ability to trust God through trials. If you know Sean and I well, then you know that our oldest daughter, Jessie, is adopted. She actually joined our family when she was nine and a half years old, and Jessie had experienced a lot of life, a lot of hurt, and a lot of trauma before she moved in with us. And while Sean and I, we did our best to prepare to adopt, we prayed, we took classes, we asked questions, we studied, we read books. It turns out that we actually had no idea what lay ahead. We were not prepared for just how much a hurt kid would hurt. We were not prepared for how she would express her hurt. And we were certainly not prepared for how we would mainly be on the receiving end of her hurt. We were praying. Our family was praying. I was constantly asking people for prayer. I was regularly meeting with my mentor. I was crying out to God, like crying every day. I was trying to get through life. I felt like the empty shell of who I used to be. I was tired and I was discouraged and I was definitely depressed. Finally, I met with this wonderful Christian therapist in Turlock, and he loved Jesus, and he loved helping her people walk through their pain and trust Christ through it. So Sean and I found babysitters, and we rearranged our schedules, and we worked hard to make our appointments. I was struggling. I was struggling to not let the trial I was suffering through overtake me. It was not easy. It was a very long road. It was only the beginning of healing that I needed to walk through as I fought to stay afloat, to pour into our kids, to pour into my marriage, and to do my job well. And healing, well, it did not happen overnight. I still, I still look back and think of how grateful I am for my amazing family, my friends, my therapists who walked that road of perseverance with me and fought for me. Each experience we go through allows us a deeper, stronger, stronger level of trust in Christ. And in all areas of life, growth, it comes through overcoming difficulties. James said that we shouldn't make the point of our lives to avoid trials. Instead, we should make the most of them by trusting God through another trial, through perseverance. None of us have arrived at perfection, but every believer in Jesus is on the way. We need to remember that trials keep us growing in the right direction. Paul actually says in Romans 5.3, he says, Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Another way to say this would actually be that perseverance presses wins out of losses. So to understand what this really means, I thought we had to kind of put this into perspective. And so who, who doesn't love a good glass of lemonade? You know what I'm I saying? Don't know. Like it's a so good, good glass of lemonade, it's like a hundred billion degrees in the Central Valley. And so, you know, if you want to make some lemonade, you need some lemons, you need some sugar, you need yes. all that. But if we look at this in regards to like perseverance and with our faith and what we can get from that, if we want to gain what perseverance gives us, we, we have to learn to be able to make something good out of something bad. But here's yes. what we normally do. 
Here's what we normally do. We say that we want the lemonade, but we just don't want any of the pressing that involves it. So we just think if we just throw enough of these bad boys in here um, and, and then maybe we just add a little sugar on the top of this thing, you know, and we, and, we, and we just mix <laughs> that thing up a little bit, that somehow this is the spiritual lemonade that God wants us to make. Y'all, this is like a Joanna Gaines mistake is what this is right here. You know what I'm saying? So, so in order to get true lemonade, in order to get the goodness out of something that is kind of sour, Heather, we got to do something different, right? What we do we got to do? We have to press. We have to press out press. the lemon juice. Right, 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 right. So press out some lemon juice. Would you tell us just Ugh. some examples of where you've seen God working as he's pressed mm. out in this time? What have yeah. you seen? So it was so discouraging to have to cancel Hume Lake. So yeah. we thought... Let's bring Hume Lake to Crossroads. Good and idea. We got some counselors and some leaders from actually Hume to come down and to help lead over 150 students for a week in the parking lot. Awesome. And it was so encouraging and it helped there be a win to the summer. So you're pressing some good out of Ugh. something that was bad right there, yeah, right? Yeah, the bad was students had been, you know, maybe fundraising money for years and right. then instead they got free Hume Lake and now... Hume Lake for next year, they already paid for it. Super so cool, right? So that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's, that's good really thing. good. Yeah. We also, uh, you saw earlier in the commission, we just hired an awesome high school young adults pastor. That's true, that's true. And our group is totally growing. So we have a killer program happening every Tuesday night. We had to work hard for it. Yeah. It didn't come easy. Yeah, you had to press Ooh, some, some, some right? Press the juice out. And, and so, so that's, what, that's what happens in our life, right? So, so we have this opportunity, yes. we say, you know what? You know what, this is a lemon in of itself. It's kind of sour. And you're like, well, that's what my dad used to say. You know, you got to make lemonade out of lemon. Listen, <laughs> that's what life is about. It's about taking things that are hard, taking things that are sour. And if you press them into the right environment, they're going to make something that's greater. And, but, the, but the key to lemonade is not just water and lemon, right? The it key needs is, to be sweet. It's got to have a little sweetness, yes. right? It's got to have a little sugar. And here's what, what comes into play, is that when you add Jesus into your life, no matter what he's pressed out of you, he adds mm -hmm. the sweetness of his grace. He adds the sweetness of his mercy. And he's going to make something good come out of something that was sour. You just need to press something out of it. You're going to drink some of that, aren't no, you? Right you're now? Gonna no, you're No, I think you're going to drink. No, right? Because that's what we want to do in life. And listen. Listen to me. This versus this is a no-brainer. If, if, if you look at somebody in life that's trying to pretend like things are really good in their life and in reality there's just a bunch of lemons floating in it, you don't buy it. But when you see somebody's life that says, man, despite all the stuff that they went through, they were able to press out wins out of it. Something beautiful came out of it. That's somebody that you say, man... I want to be a part of that, their life, right? I, I want to be yeah. a part of that student's life. And so students, wherever you're at, keep pressing. Keep, keep, keep pushing. Keep going after it. There's good things that are going to come from this. And the reason we have confidence in this is because Jesus Christ did just this. Yep. That, that on the cross, Jesus took something that was painful and sour and on the outside makes no sense for anyone to go through to willingly die for people that spit on you and hated you and sinned against you. But Jesus willingly did that. Yeah. And, and he pressed good out of the cross. And what came out of that was grace. What came out of that was something sweet for you and for me. Right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Right? How beautiful is that? So Jesus did that for you. He persevered. He pressed out a win out of something that was difficult for you and for me. And that's what we celebrate at communion. And that's why our students can win. That's why our next generation is going to do great is because they understand that during this difficult time, something good came out of something that was difficult. 
They are, you guys, you guys are pressing wins out of difficult situations. And we want to pray for you. In fact, we want to do something kind of special yeah. right now. We actually, we would really love to thank teachers, um, administrators, mm -hmm. parents, everyone who is pouring into the next gen. You are right there alongside everyone in the next gen. And you are a lifeline for them and you're caring for them. And we understand that you are likely tired and you're likely weary yeah. and you're probably at the end of your rope too so so one we thank you but two um, when we pray for communion we'd yeah. like to pray for you because you guys have been wonderful and we don't take lightly how well you have cared for the next yeah. generation so here's what we're gonna have you do right at your house wherever you're at I want you to stand that's right I want you to stand if you're a teacher if you're an administrator but I also want you to stand if you are a parent with your student right now yeah. stand your feet wherever you're at I just want you to hold hands. I want you to, I want you to receive a prayer of blessing over your home. I want you to receive a prayer of perseverance over your home that you can understand the sweetness that can come out of something difficult and that God is still working because, because the cross is real. The empty tomb is real. The ascension of Jesus is real. And so our hope is real in him that we can persevere, that we can get wins out of something difficult. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for every man, woman, and child that is standing in their home, that's standing somewhere right now, that is representing our next generation. God, I, I pray right now that you would, you would be with them, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would talk about what it's like to press perseverance out of their life, that something good can come out of something difficult, that even though it's challenging right now, God, you're working. Thank you for great leaders like Heather and, and, and Dan and all the, and Miss T and all the leaders that are investing in the next generation here at Crossroads. But we thank you for the administrators, for the teachers, for, for, those, for, the, for the paraprofessionals, all the different people that are investing in students and they're doing it in difficult times. I pray that you would be with them. And I pray for our students that even though they look at a sea of loss around them, that they could see wins and that you would give them a glimpse of the future, that when they persevere, that there's something great that will come out of it and they will win in the end. Jesus, we know that this is true because you died on the cross for our sins. You persevered through this death and you defeated it for us that we could be made whole. So at this communion, we remember you. We love you. We thank you. Jesus, be with us now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.